Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. All right, good morning. You may be seated. Such a great privilege to be here. What a weekend. Amen. I mean, it's been a while. Here you are in this amazing facility. And let me say to you, and you already know this, but let me reiterate it. It's not about this building. It's about what this building represents. And not only what it represents now, but what it's going to represent in the future. And I want to just real briefly this morning just get straight into the Word uh, just for the sake of time. And we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. But to do this, I need to step back for a moment and give you a prologue. Now, this message I'm going to speak was actually part two of the message I'm going to speak tomorrow in the conference. So it's out of sequence. So hopefully you can somehow put these two together. But all of us know that we've been in a very unique three-year period. It's a prologue. Now, that word prologue is a word that means an event leading to another event. How many of you know that everything in your life is an event leading to another event? And we have come out of a three to three and a half year period, which is very, very interesting. Now, it's become almost cliche to continue to start messages and talk about COVID and talk about things that have happened and the losses and, and all of the delay and all of these types of things. But I think it's important for us to recognize that which, yes, the devil took advantage of, but God used to drag his plow not only through the church, but through the nations. I think you would agree with that. How many of you have felt plowed up over the past three-year period of time in some capacity? Congratulations. It is a prologue, it's a prerequisite to that which God is about to do on the planet, I believe. And we can look back and we see another historical three-year, three-and-a-half-year period. And you remember that. A Tishbite shows up. <laughs> and he says, no rain, no dew except at my command. And a very similar period of time. 20, 21, 22, here we are in 23, in a very similar period of time of three to three and a half years that God is about to release something. 1 Kings 18, Elijah's had this amazing moment on Mount Carmel and as and incredible as it was, fire falling from heaven, prophets of Baal slain, the real event that we never need to forget was the rain that fell after Elijah had suspended that hydration three and a half years earlier. And after these prophets are slain there in the valley, Elijah climbs back up and he says, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Listen to me, church. There is the sound of of a heavy rain. It's important that you understand that. And many of you say, Pastor Jim, I don't see it. 
I don't hear it. I'm still married to the Antichrist. I still work for Pharaoh. I still look at my children and wonder, can they possibly be mine? But the same way that the prophet Elisha prayed for Gehazi, open his eyes, that we would see that which God is doing and about to do on the planet. Listen to me. And this is not just a message to speak in a power conference, but this is something that men and women, prophetic men and women that I deeply trust are hearing the same sound of heavy rain. Put this picture up, if you would, the first one. This is Asbury College, February 1970. A very unique revival that has now become part of revival history happened in that place. My wife's brother was actually a student at Asbury during this revival. Put up the next picture. This is Asbury, Wednesday of this week. Same place that God is pouring out his spirit. And here's what's unique about this. There was no preacher. There was no worship. There was no altar call. There was just a tarrying. That students just hung out for a moment. And the power of God hit that place. 53 years later, history repeats itself. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the sound of heavy rain. This is the beginning of what the prophet went to the top of Carmel and he bent down and he began to birth something. You know, many times we begin to look in the heavens and look for the clouds and Try to figure out where the Spirit's going. You realize meteorologists don't study clouds. They study what's going on on the ground. Because it's what's happening on the ground that affects what's happening in the heavens and the heavenlies. Listen to me. We're not just Holy Ghost weathermen. But we're ones that if we will understand what God is trying to deliver to us in this moment, we create something here whereby which heaven comes down. Listen to me. The sound of heavy rain and it's beginning to fall. But it begs a question for you and for me. How do we respond? Listen to me, because I know that that question is going to set the course for the rest of my ministerial life, is to be sure that the church doesn't miss it. You may say, of course we won't miss it. Be careful. Be very careful, because there are going to be many aspects of this revival that do not have historical precedent. Things we've not seen before. And we think, I got it. I talk in tongues. I belong to kings. I'm a Pentecostal. Let me just tell you, 
We're the very ones, Lyndon Ravenhill said this years ago, we're the very ones that stand at the greatest risk of missing the next move of God because of what we think we know. Be careful. Be careful. First Kings, how do we respond? Ahab went off to eat and drink. Elijah told him, go ahead. But what did Elijah do? What was happening on the ground? It says he climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down, put his face between his knees. Go look toward the sea. You know this story. For the sake of time, I won't read the passage. And he continues to pray. And he tells Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down. Listen to this. Before the rain stops you. Now that's important. Do you realize that there are only a few people that know how to run in the rain? Ahab representing, if you wish, the natural man at his very worst, I might add, but had no way of navigating in this spiritual downpour. He says, go, tell Ahab, hitch up, go down before the rain stops you. And you know what happened. The wind rose, the rain started, and the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt. What did he do? He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, that's about a 25-mile journey. And anybody that, can run, that flat out can go and run for 25 miles, something's going on beyond their own natural capacity and their own natural ability. But here's what I want you to hear. Ahab is eating and drinking, just doing what we always do. And yet, what was Elijah doing in contrast? Praying. Bent down in a place of humility. Crouched down, some commentators say, in a birthing position. Are we just eating and drinking and doing life the way that we've always done it? Or are we crouched down, birthing something in the kingdom in these days? And you see, when that rain comes, everything speeds up. We walk by faith, but we run in the rain. Listen to me. We walk by faith, we run in the rain. And there's something happens when the rain of God, when revival comes, everything begins to speed up. All of our timelines for church planting, everything that we thought was on our agenda, everything we thought we were doing, all of a sudden now it doesn't make any sense. I'm part of a small movement of churches and We've had some plans about how we were going to plant and how many and when and all of that. It's all out the window. Because the rain changes everything. Listen to me. The rain changes everything. And some of your plans are getting ready to get turned upside down. Your time frames, your ideas. Why? Because the rain changes everything. It brings with it an unusual anointing, falling in unusual places and on unlikely people. I was in a church in Texas last month, 
And the Lord said, son, I want you to do a healing service. And I said, excuse me, but you got the wrong number. You, I, I, you, you, no. You shouldn't tell God no, but I did. I just said no. It's not in my wheelhouse. I'll prophesy over everything that's not nailed down to the floor. That's fine. I can do that. That's my gig. But I don't do that healing thing. Call somebody else. It was a Moses moment, kind of, I guess. And then God started giving me words of knowledge. Days before the meeting, I said, please, no, don't do this. Got in the Sunday night meeting and put it off as long as I could, Bishop Jane. I prophesied over everything. I was, you know, it's just like God says, so what you going to do now, son? I have never had a moment like this. And began to call out by the words of knowledge, healing. The room just exploded. Testimonies started rolling in. Talk about unlikely places. This is what happens in the rain. This is what happens in the rain. R.T. Kendall speaks of this anointing. He says, the anointing is the conscious approval of God. Don't you love that definition? The conscious approval of God. And as the rain comes and God in that rain, all of a sudden we realize not just that God is with us, but that God approves of us. Oh my goodness. And this rain seemingly so long coming, like the drought on Israel, which came to a sudden end. We're going to see an outpouring of signs and wonders like we've never seen before. I want you to hear this. But if we look at that rain at Pentecost, as God came down, both the birth and the pattern of not just the first church, but the church, we move from the disciples and Jesus, and of course there was a pattern of ministry, there was a pattern of miracles and power, but something happened after that rain that did what? Many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Part of the benchmark of the early church was not just occasional, it was what? Many. That's gonna become our norm. And these many signs and wonders in the context of an ideal spiritual atmosphere is juxtaposed against an antagonistic, even dangerous environment in the natural. Let me just tell you, and I'll talk about this more tomorrow, but we have these paradigms in our heads that this is what revival will look like. And every one of us have it. And whether it's how it benefits us individually how it affects the seven mountains of influence, whatever we think, we have a paradigm in our thinking, in our minds, this is what it must look like. But if you consider Pentecost, yes, we have the, prophet, the prophecy from Joel, but I don't see anything in the law and the prophets of tongues of fire, a rushing wind. There was nothing that we know of in Hebrew oral tradition that this is how it's gonna happen. And yet at this particular feast, God poured himself out in a way that we don't have any historical precedent for this. What do we do with this? Oh my goodness. 
and outside, maybe the environment's not going to be so good. Let me, hear, let, me, let me hear me. My wife has this little micro garden thing. It's really cute. You know, got a little light that comes on and you water it and you, know, you put the little pods in. And, you know, it's this perfect little hothouse in this perfect little micro environment that, you know, things, and this is the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's a picture of the church. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. And as long as it's perfect, this perfect little micro environment with the right hydration and the light that comes on and you don't have to do anything and you pick the little micro greens off. Come on. I remember your statement the, the last year you were talking about going on and picking some basil and how you were living off the land now. I mean, you realize when, when we get a full harvest, we want him to eat a good salad out of this thing. But it's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. Let me tell you, many times the church is that same hothouse environment. As long as we're in here, come on, we can produce a little fruit. But guess what? God has never intended for us to stay in our little micro environments of the church. He's intended for us to do what? Have impact, influence, and change the environment outside of the church. And I'd love to tell you that outside, the environment's going to get ideal. God hadn't told me that, so I can't tell you that. I don't think it's going to get ideal. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to get worse. And the juxtaposition between light and darkness and those that are and those that aren't is going to become even more distinct in the days to come. And there's a kingdom environment where the rain is falling. It's going to be historic, global, transformational, and without mixture. And that word mixture historically has been one of the greatest challenges for the people of God. Don't intermarry. Because if you do, you'll wind up worshiping their gods. And don't think that today, that that problem with mixture doesn't still exist among the people of God. Because it does. But let me tell you what that mixture looks like for us many times. It's a mixture of the horses and the chariots and the rain. Now stay with me here just for a moment. Pastor Daniel has given repeated testimony of how specific the Holy Spirit has been with him regarding this building project given him dreams, showed him not only the place, but, not the, but the people and what to say when he got there. This is a different way of doing life. This is a different way of just going in and saying, can we have dinner or, or going in, here's a gift basket, you know, here's 20 bucks, can you move this permit? I mean, whatever. Realizing that the old ways of how we used to do life don't work anymore. And God literally taking a man of God like your pastor and literally retooling him and retraining him to learn not to operate in any mixture whatsoever. That this is how specific God is wanting to lead us in these days with that level of clarity specificity 
churches. Sometimes I can't tell if we're just practicing principles of sanctified sociology. Except in the church now, we've got a word for it. We call it attractional. We call it missional. We've got our own nomenclature so we can feel better about what we're doing. But when it comes right down to it, we've just developed these narcissistic therapeutic pulpits. We've developed a style of worship that people can get happy to rather than something that attracts heaven down. And then we wonder, why aren't we getting the revival? Where is the rain? Because of the mixture. The mixture. And I look at my own life, and I'm supposed to be some kind of prophetic guy sometimes. And I look at the mixture in my own life. The way that I have historically led. Well, we've got to do this if we're going to be a growing church, you know. Can't have people on their feet longer than 17 minutes. We can't do, I mean, all of these metrics that we learn. That if you're going to grow your church, this is what you have to do. And many, many pastors have drunk the Kool-Aid of this thing. Listen to me. We had a couple in our church, and the wife got cancer. They turned to every venue they could turn to for an answer and for healing. They drank so much carrots, so much carrot juice, she turned orange. Oh, I'm not kidding. It's a phenomenon. And she got up, and she and her husband, God touched her, healed her. We've been praying for her. And she got up, and most of her testimony was about carrots. And I came to that couple afterwards and said, you need to decide who healed you. Whether it was beta carotene, now that you're orange like a cartoon character, or whether or not Jesus healed you and will sustain you. You need to decide. Hey, I'm not against doing healthy stuff. I'm not against exercise. I'm not against all these things. But you better decide. Who is the source of your health and who is the source of your life? Wow. Ahab rode. Elijah ran. You see, chariots are uniquely man-made things. Horses are trained by men. And chariots are really no good unless they are on a prescribed man-made path. Everything about Ahab's mode of transportation spoke to man-made, human endeavor, human intellect, human invention. But you see, when we get in the rain, we learn to run in that rain. It's not a road perhaps we've ever been on before. You see, rain actually hinders the man-made. It hinders the man-made. And this is a great danger for the church. This is why many churches that you think would be one of the very first recipients of this revival reign will miss it. That's not a curse, but it's because of exactly what I'm talking about. That we can't move beyond the confines of our orders of services, the way we've done life in the past. This is what's worked. This is what's gotten the bills paid. God help us. 
On our first night, we heard an amazing message, and the, the passage was Joshua 3. When you see the ark, you're to move out from your positions, follow it. Why? Because you've never been this way before. We've never been this way before. But listen to me. If you can't run, all you can do is ride. All you can do is ride. And there's been too much riding and sliding going on among the people of God. So how do we run in the rain? I'll close with this. First of all, understanding is not the lack or the absence of conflict. As Pastor Jordan said, you cross over only to confront Jericho. Ahab comes back whining to his wife. <laughs> Fascinating. Elijah wasn't afraid of Ahab. Wasn't afraid of the prophets of Baal. But something bad about this woman. I'm coming for you, son. I'm coming for you. I'm going to make your life like one of those dead prophets. And Elijah, and he took off running. Listen to me. Elijah represents something for you and for me. There's going to be an unusual pursuit of the prophetic when God manifests himself in this reign and in this revival. An unusual pursuit. Bishops, Tom and Jane and I were talking at the table the other night about this. And that's not something for us to fear, but something for us to be aware of. And we look at Elijah taking off, running into the desert, wanting to die. This was a suicide mission. We can say, what was wrong with him? Let me tell you, he was in pretty good company. Moses prayed, God, if you're going to treat me this way, kill me. And don't kid yourself, Moses had enough intimacy with God, it was not an idle, sad threat. It was a very real, I am so pressed, so messed up. God, just kill me, please. Elijah was in the very same place. Paul, while not quite that specific, he kind of danced around it a bit. We are hard pressed, we are crushed. You know, I'm thinking about taking off and going to heaven, but you know, it's better if I stay here, you know. Paul was hinting all around it based on his pressure. So we're in good company. Some of you have felt exactly that same way. So tired. So tired of the delay. So tired of the warfare. You just want to run in the desert and die. The great resignation has not just been something that's been going on in the world. Pastor after pastor after pastor. They look at their church in two epochs, pre-COVID and post-COVID. And many pastors are looking at their congregations post-COVID and some fraction of the people that they had before now remain. And they're so discouraged. I was used to my church at this level. Now I've got to step all the way back. Years and years and years in terms of building to rebuild to this place. Scads of pastors have just quit. Maybe you're not a pastor here, but maybe you felt exactly the same way. Some delay, some setback. And you know this story. He goes out into the desert. But then 
there's a spiritual sort of Uber Eats that shows up. And he looks up and he finds this meal. He wakes up long enough to eat it. Then he goes back to sleep. Next day, Uber Eats shows up again. And there's another meal. And God says, eat this one for the journey is too great for you. Listen to me, saints. There are two heavenly meals you've got to partake. First is a meal that deals with the past. The second is the one that deals with the future. You can't eat the second until you've eaten the first. I've seen so many men and women, and they get, and it's like they start running, and it's like they've got a rubber band on their back, and it snaps them back to where they were. Back and forth to the altar, back and forth, in and out of the counseling office. You've seen what I'm talking about. Because they've not eaten that heavenly meal that's been prepared that deals with all of the delay and the disappointments and the discouragement of the past. There is a heavenly meal angelically prepared that if you will look, it's available for you to deal with all of that stuff. But then let me tell you, it's not just enough. Some of us get free from the past and we think, whoa, baby, that's it, feels good. No, 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 no. You got to eat the second meal because the second meal enabled him to go for 40 days and nights. Man, I don't know what kind of additives were in that one. I don't know what the deal was in that meal, but it was something powerful when you can go for 40 days on the basis of that food. What did Jesus say about food? I've got food you don't know anything about. The disciples were so worried about his nutrition. I've got food you don't know anything about. Then I'll close with this. Let me tell you another benchmark of this coming revival. And this is one that's not talked about much, but I believe it's going to mark this one. It's holiness. This rain is going to be both a revealing rain and a cleansing rain. You see, a changed life is not only the greatest miracle, but the greatest witness. And this rain of revival is not just about signs, wonders, and miracles, but the wonder of a change in a submitted life. It's not just a better version of yourself. The world is not interested in Jim 2.0. But looking for the life and the character of Christ being formed in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is what God is looking for. And this is part of what I believe is going to be the emphasis of this next outpouring of God. So many times... We just reduce it to power, signs, wonders, money, whatever it might be. Let me tell you, part of the benchmark of this revival is going to be an emphasis on holiness. I believe it. I believe it. And God will produce something in us as a result. My food is to do the will of my Father. What is the greatest delight of parents? It's not their children's praise. It's not not their artwork to put on the refrigerator, their offerings. What is the greatest delight of parents? Their children's willing obedience. 
right there. Not their coerced obedience. Well, then if you don't give, then I'm going to come get the rest of your money. No, 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 no. It's a willing obedience to the will of God. And that spotless and blameless, that in working and that outworking, that holiness is a manifestation of a good tree rightly connected to what? The vine. With roots that go increasingly downward for fruit that becomes evident. You've heard this quote, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The fruit is always the miraculous. The created is never the result of willing but a growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God and only He can produce it. And those who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows of its fruit, but they know of the power of Him on whom their life depends. Philippians, fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Hear me, church. There's a sound of heavy rain. It's already beginning to come down. The way we've done life in the past is exactly that. It's in the past. And we have a choice. Some trust in horses and chariots. Great financial advice, church growth techniques. Come on. But for me, I will trust in the name of the Lord. And God is wanting us to get into that rain and to learn anew how to run. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, let us hear something today. Lord, we take our umbrellas down. We take down, God, what we think we know. Rewire us. Even those of us that think we're, quote, experts in our pneumatology and our practice. God, rewire us in these days that there's no mixture, that we're not jumping in and out of the chariot, something man-made. But God, teach us, train us to run in this rain. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.